The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Want a podcast? Got a podcast? Then check out a Launchpad a DM powered by Podcast One. Launchpad DM is a totally free platform and service for anyone who wants to podcast, offering unlimited hosting and access to a dashboard with all of your show's analytics. You own and control everything, including subscribers. And it's a great discovery tool to help people find your podcast. You may even get invited to join the official Podcast One roster with even more perks like access to producers, marketers, sales teams, and more. Sign up today at launchpaddm.com. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, and we are live on YouTube. Sam, happy Monday morning. Thank you. We're back in the studio. We're not in Chris's office, which means I don't get to lay back on the comfy chair. You have to sit up like a professional. Right. This I time. don't like that. That's all right. Um, I don't know if the boss has heard us yet. We haven't heard any, haven't gotten any he feedback. He hasn't reacted yet. Yeah. He hasn't. So maybe I just assume that means we can do that anytime. That no or he's plotting revenge. Yeah. One of those two things. Or we're getting fired yeah. Friday afternoon. So that, we'll that, see what happens. That would be a pretty swift and, and solid revenge. It would. All right. This is your AFC East preview. We're going to preview the 2019 season. But before we go team by team, do we have to recap the Hall of Fame game? We're going to have to mention it because otherwise people will be unhappy. One specific person I can think of will be unhappy. So yeah. let's, let's, let's mention the Hall of Fame game. Right. The Hall of Fame game... You know it was off to a bad start when there were starters that you have to rack your brain to remember who the hell they are. Um, it was a glorified AAF game? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. The the rosters were so Hall of Fame preseason game that when you looked at NFL.com, they didn't know who half the players were. They were listed as null. Yeah. Like, that's how into the, the bottom of the barrel some of these rosters were going for the Hall of Fame game. Not great. Um, we saw a few interesting players. We saw the debut of Drew Locke. Didn't go well. We saw um, Kurt Benkert had almost the entire game. Made some nice plays. Made some ugly, ugly plays. That's what always fascinates me is, you know, Benkert absolutely looked good for the majority of the game. The ball, yeah, he's got a good arm. He had a good arm in mm-hmm. Virginia. Nothing changed there. Uh, you know, had some good zip, made a few nice throws, but he had 
two passes as bad as you know Luck's worst pa- uh, Locke's worst passes. Right. We also saw coverage. Matt Schaub play, and basically at this point, if you're carrying Matt Schaub in the active roster, you're committing salary cap malpractice. He cannot play in the regular season. Cannot. Like, no way whatsoever. His arm is garbage. His decision-making is as bad as it's ever been. He is an utterly useless human being when it comes to playing football on Sundays. Now, you're saying, okay, you he's, on, punches here, huh? he's on the roster because he's smart. He's a savvy veteran. He's got years of experience. He's great in the quarterback room. He's vital to their prep going into the week. Fine. Then hire him as a coach or a consultant. Get him off the ca- salary cap yeah. and stop having him taking up a roster spot. We saw him he's pointless. In 2013, the last time he played extensive football, he uh-huh. looked like he had completely lost it. Right. That was when he and had How many six years ago was that six. now? About six years, right. according to my math. Uh, so he's been sitting there as a backup since that time. But yeah, his arm looks shot. Right. He's I don't been, care if he knows the offense. He's been his arm sitting there shot. as a backup for the last six years, past the point where he was already done, just yeah. decomposing on the bench. And now we're just going to be like, well, he's probably fine. I don't see a problem if Matt Ryan goes down that we'll need to put out Matt Schaub. I have a feeling Kurt Bankert might, might win that job. I mean, honestly, that's evidence enough that if you... There's no way you can carry that guy as your backup quarter. He should not be occupying a roster spot that could go to genuine people that could, you know, provide function on Sundays. Like his whatever he's doing for that team, are you done? His function is off the field. Therefore, hire him in an off the field capacity and move on. That's my summation of the Hall of Fame game. The end. It was ugly offensively. Yes, and as Thanks our friends, to my job. as our friends always tell us, take the under. Yeah. In preseason games. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to the AFC East. We're going to go alphabetically. And just to be clear, we're going alphabetically by city. You know, some people were, you know, questioning that they said I went out of order with the alphabetical stuff. Who was doing that? I don't know. One of our YouTube friends. But he got corrected. Rightfully okay. corrected. So we're starting with the Buffalo Bills and what they did this are, offseason, what they're looking at. Who are interestingly both alphabetically both uh, by city and by Oh, yeah, I can't be wrong here. We got both. We got both here. So the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, what we did with the NFC East preview is we tried to give, you know, a best case scenario for each team, but also an objective view of what we're looking at. Let's start with uh, the offense for the Bills. Year one of Josh Allen, and this is going to be the consistent theme because this is all second year quarterbacks. Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen are all in the AFC East now. I think it's you could debate which one of those three had the worst supporting cast or situation in the NFL last year. There's a fair debate probably for each guy. I think Rosen probably wins, but Josh Allen did not have a good situation under center for the Bills last year. So this offseason made a ton of moves along the offensive line and a few big moves as far as receivers go. They bring in John Brown. As a deep threat, they bring in Cole Beasley as a slot receiver. And then along the offensive line, drafting Cody Ford in the second round, bringing in a guy like Mitch Morse uh, to play center. Uh, Ty Insecki, who we really liked as a, you know at least a swing tackle at worst. So they've, they've made a bunch of moves to try to increase production offensively around Josh Allen. Dawson Knox also third round tight end do you think this offense can take a step forward yeah i think it can i I really like the moves they've made overall obviously anytime you kind of improve that offensive line to get back to being average your creep back toward average we like it always a bonus um but i really like what they've done with the receivers they brought in because obviously they haven't gone and you know found a superstar wide receiver 
paid tons of money for it. They've brought in sort of lower level guys that have a really clearly defined skill set um, and can collectively up the level of receiver that uh, Josh Allen is throwing to. John, like Josh Allen went deep, like 20 plus yards down the field more than any other quarterback in the NFL last season. One of the highest rates we've ever seen. You know, when you've got an arm like that, I think you're pretty keen to just loose it down the field whenever you can. So they bring in a guy like John Brown, who we saw last year when he had an accurate, vaguely accurate quarterback in Joe Flacco throwing him deep balls. He was a weapon. Well, then he got Lamar Jackson and then, you know, John Brown disappeared. So when he had Flacco there, John Brown looked like a dangerous deep threat still. Um, So they're at least pairing Josh Allen with a guy that can definitely get open deep and hopefully maximize that propensity for targeting deep down the field. But then you bring in a guy like Cole Beasley and intuitively you think, well, that's not a great match for a quarterback that is pretty inaccurate, isn't a high percentage passer underneath. You know, it's like the thing we've railed against with Cam Newton for years. You, you can't try and fix this guy's accuracy by finding, you know, turning him into a short and underneath passer. That just doesn't work because he's never going to be good at that. So you're just playing to the things that he's bad at. And that's a bad strategy. But, but you need guys that can get open. Yes. And that's the key, right? Is that as long as you don't plan to try and transform Josh Allen into a short and underneath Tom Brady-esque passer, it's a good idea because what you're doing is you're getting a guy in Cole Beasley whose skill set is getting open. His his skill set is route running and sort of savvy and understanding coverage and being able to get uh, separation and nothing will improve the accuracy of your quarterback more than his receivers getting separation. And that's what that's the point we've been making with Cam Newton and Carolina for years is that if you're looking for players to help him be more accurate, the ones that get open and get greater separation will give him a bigger margin for error to work with. Right. And that's what you're talking about with Josh Allen, that, OK, he may throw the same quick out two yards behind his receiver still. But now his receiver has two and a half yards of separation, so he can adjust to that and still make a catch. When his receiver was somebody else and he had a yard of separation, the same two-yard behind him pass was now thrown at a cornerback. So that's the difference. That that The level of separation basically magnifies the margin for error and the window that Josh Allen can hit on these underneath throws. Yeah, using creep back toward average again that's the way for Allen to essentially maximize his skill set or his uh, potential. So I just wrote a piece that should be up on pff.com shortly. It's essentially looking at the class of 2018, which again, three fifths of the first rounders are sitting here in the AFC East. So we'll have plenty to discuss with all of them and saying, okay, what went right in 2018 for these guys and what do they need to improve upon? So with Josh Allen, the thing he certainly needs to improve upon is his accuracy. And again, we always say, you can't really do it. There's a low percentage chance that you can. But if you do have a guy that is throw for throw inaccurate, like a Josh Allen, like a Lamar Jackson, if you do get more open throws, it will help. Um, the rookies were, when we look at our most inaccurate QBs, it's all of the rookies minus Baker, mm-hmm. essentially from last year. So Josh Allen was number four, highest percentage of uncatchable passes. So essentially passes that his receivers didn't have a shot to make a play on fourth highest percentage of uncatchable passes between one and 20 yards so we took out screens we took out deep passes which tend to fluctuate a little bit 
he was fourth highest. Josh Rosen, we'll talk about him in a minute, had the highest percentage. Lamar Jackson, second highest percentage. So three out of the worst four were all rookies. The thing about this number, this is in line with how Josh Allen played at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So to look on, to expect that to improve might be a little unrealistic. To your, so, But to your point, if you have more open throws, it doesn't matter if you hit him in stride as much. At least you're going to complete a, a slightly higher percentage of passes if you have guys that can get open, and that's better than missing a guy completely. Right, so he may not end up being any more accurate, but you can increase the, pr- the production off the back end by having a receiver that essentially increases the target area. And here's the good part about Josh Allen. He showed the big playability that he had at Wyoming. He was 13th in the NFL in big-time throw percentage. Uh, that does coincide with the bad, though. He had the exact same turnover-worthy throw percentage, which was third worst in the league. So he's this highly volatile quarterback that will make special plays, make some bad decisions, and sh- again, ha- have some a- inaccuracy. But then his running ability, which we, we knew he was a good athlete at Wyoming, but I think he impressed everybody with, with his rushing ability, fourth best rushing grade among quarterbacks in the NFL, and led all quarterbacks with 508 yards on scrambles. Yeah, hurdled Anthony Barr. Like He made some pretty spectacular yeah. plays on the ground. So I think... If you're looking for a best case scenario, Bills fans, I would as much as we looked at Josh Allen and said, look, he's not the caliber of prospect as Baker Mayfield or as Sam Darnold or even as Josh Rosen, we didn't think coming out. I could see one of those years where Josh Allen, you know, he had a bunch of rushing touchdowns last year where he puts up 28 touchdowns. He rushes for another eight or nine and he's a pretty valuable piece because he's he's got this playmaking ability. But I do think it's going to be tough for him to get out of his inconsistent ways as far, you know i think he'll throw interceptions and he's going to miss easy throws but if you give him the opportunity to make plays down the field i think there are certain seasons where you'll i think bills fans will be happy with josh allen and say hey look he's a he's a playmaker and in any given week he could put up a four touchdown game and you know pull an upset against uh, say a new england patriots team or whatever it might be so um that's i think your best case scenario bills fans allen a playmaker maybe mitigates some of those negative plays yeah i think so um i, I like so I, I think the offense overall what they've done in the offseason is good i think they've headed in the right direction and then the single biggest thing for the defense is drafting ed oliver yeah and that just strikes me as an exciting guy in the nfl because of because of the usage pattern in college we know that he was played as a true nose tackle for a lot of the time um, we talked in the in the pre-draft process about what happens when you sort of remove his pass rushing snaps lined up at no at no tackle, you know, it's directly over the center, and it improves dramatically. He's much more in line with other players in the draft class, right? Because you could see this: his run defense grade is always spectacular. His athleticism, his tape, always showed this guy with sort of I don't want to say Aaron Donald potential, but you know would remind you of that kind of player and yet the the pass rushing production was never there and we were always trying to figure out why and that was a big part of it is just how they used him there so i'm hugely excited for how he can develop in the nfl now that you assume he'll be unleashed as the alignment kind of player that he should be the alignment's one thing i do think there were certain technique issues again to compare him to aaron donald right if aaron donald wasn't a freak athlete he would still be productive because his hand usage and leverage and everything is is spectacular oliver does need to learn 
you know, better technique. And, but but he's again, like, he's Aaron Donald without any of the refinement that Donald had coming in. Right. I fully expect you know, Oliver had three straight years of 90 plus run defense grades. I expect him to be a productive player. I think the question will be how effective will he be rushing the passer? Will he turn that uh, the raw skills into productive pass rushing ability. I think when you step back and look at this Bills defense, though, because now they did make the playoffs two years ago, but last year they weren't a great team. I think people forget how good this coverage unit has been. Yeah. Top 10 coverage unit. They were number six in 2017, number nine last year by PFF grades. Uh, Sean McDermott has come in. He's the head coach, implemented a zone-heavy scheme. They play a lot of too-high safety stuff. I mean, they'll, they'll mix it up. They'll play a little bit of everything, like a lot of teams. But they've done a really, really good job of just making life difficult for opposing passing offenses, which is a great way to win in the NFL. That's why they've at least been in games, and that's why they made the playoffs in 2017 with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, and he wasn't even great that season the offense wasn't great at all that season but they just they played an ugly brand of football that stopped the pass and didn't really stop the run a whole lot so it's kind of this modern day make life difficult for passing offenses if you can you've got a star back there in Tredavious White you've gotten really good safety play from Micah Hyde and Jordan uh, Poyer back you know the last couple of years uh, we'll see if they can take a step forward in the front seven I think that'll be the big story for Buffalo I think their big question mark is at that number two corner spot because you've got Tredavious White who's been excellent Levi Wallace last year looked really good in limited action. About 300-something snaps. Right. Yeah. Um, he didn't play that much, but when he was on the field, he looked fantastic. And his his story is great. You know, he's a guy that basically was, was he a walk-on at Alabama? Went from like, yeah. went from like playing intramural flag football to starting for Alabama in the space of a couple of years. Yeah. Really then incredible. ends up on the Buffalo Bills, you know, playing a few hundred snaps as a rookie, trying to force his way into being a starter from being like a rec player a couple of years ago. Um, he's undersized, so I think he's a guy who, you know, with a year or two in an NFL weight room could add a little bit of physicality to his game, but even then it does. it's not like it, it looks like a massive problem. Like you look at that and say, never going to be any good because you're that lightweight. Um, but he only gave up like 94 yards last season over, you know, a few hundred snaps, 19 targets. I think he could be their their second best cornerback um they bring in a guy like kevin johnson who is interesting because we didn't like him coming out as a prospect he had a really good rookie year i think and then stacked for the rest of his career so his rookie year made us look wrong and then every other year of his career made us look right um and he's so he's this kind of unknown quantity right is he gonna which guy is he um, cause if he's the second guy, then there's no reason Levi Wallace couldn't win that job. Right. Yeah. It's, it is, it is one of those schemes too, because it is so zone heavy. If you don't have two stars, you can kind of hide them a little bit. Right. And, um, you know, I think what the scheme does too, is they, they communicate really well. They do a really good job of passing off routes and just not allowing a high percentage of open throws. So if they can continue that and the offense does take a step forward, Josh Allen does take a step forward. I think Buffalo has the inside track to be the second best team in the AFC East. I think it's between them and the Jets. We'll talk about the Jets yeah. in, in, in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, I could see that happening with the Bills. Yeah. Uh, big year, I think, for Sean McDermott in uh, his third season. I'm just really interested to see how this offense is going to come together with all the pieces that they've added to Josh Allen. And, and really to see if Josh Allen does develop or if he is 
just, you know, if he's sort of Jameis, which is the same guy all the time, and maybe one year things will come together and he'll be the MVP you think he'll be, but probably not ever. It's just going to be the same guy every year. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to work for the offense. Um, are we about to move on to the next team? Yeah. Because I want to jump in here before yeah. that's okay. Go for it. We are starting a new uh, promotion on YouTube, which this is on, right? If you're listening to this just on your audio podcast platform of choice this is not massively relevant to you having said that you could go to youtube and get in on the action as well if you subscribe to the pff youtube channel we're going to choose one winner each week to get an edge a pff edge and a pff elite account for free i didn't know that so get in there if you're a new subscriber wait wait, our- wait why are we giving stuff away for free it is the peak of our sales season we should try to make every last dollar why would we give something for free because we appreciate our youtube subscribers we want to give them give them a little love back. All right. I so appreciate it. Get in subscribers. there. PFF subscribers, we are going to give away Edge and Elite. Pretty good deal. Well, yeah, they're very going, good deal. They're hot think, off. Right? They're going, going quick. All you need to shelves. do is click the subscribe button, and you could potentially win an Edge or Elite. Feels easy enough. And right. then, you know, you can listen to us all the time on YouTube. Exactly. Why all you week long. All right. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. And I think... If we're objective about the Dolphins roster, yeah, I think it's full rebuild mode. You've got Brian Flores coming over, first year head coach coming over from New England, the New England Patriots as defensive. He was the defensive coordinator in New England. Um, a fascinating storyline in Miami. Everybody, you know, it's it's the preseason, it's training camp. Everybody's got to focus on this season. Josh Rosen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm on record as saying I, I know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And if, if you are the Miami Dolphins, you're year one of your head coach, it's full rebuild mode, and you just have to figure out what you have in Josh Rosen. I know what I have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And to the point where he played so well last year that he's due for just an absolute disaster. I mean, that is the well, story of Fitzpatrick's career. Except he already had the disaster. That's why he got benched. A little bit. Like he had two games. He didn't fall off enough. Phenomenally. And you're like, well, wh- okay, when does he play badly enough so that Jameis has to come back in? He still, oh, there played, he still played, you know, he still had more drop because he played so well. You know what was fun? In the season. Um, Ed Reed just got inducted into the Hall of Fame with A, the coolest looking bust in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. And B, rocking a cigar and a hat along with his gold jacket at the ceremony. They so, said he was smoking a cigar from like 7 a.m. Right. On. Ed Reed remains one of the coolest human beings on the face of the planet. But while this was happening, um, we went through and, and wrote an article about Ed Reed because we've got a lot of his early career in the PFF archives. Um, and Gordon McGinnis went back and wrote this article. And when you go through our sort of analysis comments, so we have this whole world of data and then there's like a comment section where you add a little bit more context to what happened, articulate it. Now, over the years, this has evolved into a sort of shorthand of letters and symbols and numbers and all this kind of stuff that you can read and you understand what happened. Back in 08, when we were first doing this... Oh, that was full prose. It was basically Ben Stockwell writing out an essay on every play that happened, right? So Gordon wrote me out or read me out one of these comments about Ed Reed that was this long description of the play and what happened. And he was using numbers. And using the numbers, I was able to work out exactly who was involved in the play. So it was a deep ball intended for Ocho Cinco. Ed Reed comes over and intercepts it. He goes, okay, now guess the quarterback. It's like, okay, well, it can't be Carson Palmer because that would be too obvious. 
Fitzpatrick. Really? So Fitzpatrick was back slinging YOLO balls for the Bengals back in 08. Ed Reed picking him off from across the field. But he's still doing that, essentially, is my point. That That's great. The guy has not changed in over a decade. Just yeah. out there slinging deep. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it goes badly wrong. Yeah, him and Jameis had the highest percentage, second and third highest percentages of turnover-worthy plays last year, but they were sitting there at the top of positively graded plays. Uh, you know, Fitz and Jameis and that system in Tampa Bay was very similar. So again, I think Miami's goal this year is to figure out, is Josh Rosen a franchise quarterback? And unfortunately for Josh Rosen, even if he is, Miami should still be in play for a QB next year. And then a best case scenario, our colleague Mike Renner just wrote an article on ESPN comparing Tua and Trevor Lawrence and basically saying all the numbers point to Trevor Lawrence and the traits being by far the best quarterback in the NFL, in college football this year, a true sophomore. We've never seen a true freshman play like him and have the NFL arm and all the other stuff that he can do. So being bad in 2020 is probably going to be really beneficial to the team that has the number one overall pick. I think Miami and a couple other teams could be in that mode. Two-year tank mode and completely turn the franchise around with a Trevor Lawrence. Has anybody ever actually successfully achieved that? Though? Look, I, I'm not saying that you do. I don't you know stink. how you implement Even if I was GM right now of the Miami Dolphins, I don't know if I would have the ability to implement it. Because how do you go tell these players, here's what we're doing? How do you tell the owner? I mean... We're gonna. St- nobody has the patience for you to stink for two straight years intentionally. Oh, I think. See, I think it's an easy sell to an owner, a businessman, you know, especially a team like the Miami Dolphins, who have not truly had a great quarterback since Dan Marino. Right. It is right. They up had until- Jay Fiedler, and they had you know, a little Chad Pennington action and all that stuff. But like, they if if you told them. Suck it up for two years, and we'll get you the next Dan Marino. Uh-huh. A smart owner is going to say, okay, I'll do it. Right. But if you go tell Laramie Tunzel and Christian Wilkins and Devontae Parker, hey, here's what our plan is, they're not going to buy into but that. But then you're like eight games into utter futility, and the fan base is losing its mind, and you get itchy trigger finger, and you fire everybody. That's the way this works. Like it, People may have even attempted to buy into this in the past, but nobody has the patience to let that play out for two years. You just do it. You just have the patience. So so here's the deal. Josh Rosen, you got to see what you have with him. Unfortunately for Rosen, we talked about him maybe having the worst situation in the NFL last year. This one might not be that much better than we had in Arizona. The offensive line, we ranked them 31, I believe, out of 32. Or It might have been 32. It might have been 32. I mean, they were among the worst. Laramie Tunzel has been, he's developed pretty well at left tackle, but a bunch of question marks beyond that. Jesse Davis, Kyle Fuller, Daniel Kilgore, Michael Dieter, is Deion Calhoun going to be in there? Jordan Mills, you know, is okay. You know, who ends up starting? Uh, We'll see what happens with Miami, but the O-line's not great. The playmaker situation, Devontae Parker in his contract year, Kenny Stills, Bryce Butler, Albert Wilson, they're all there. Uh, Jakeem Grant. And then the running backs, Kalen Balaj and, and Kenyon Drake. You know, it's not the best group of playmakers to help your quarterback. Poor Josh Rosen. Like, he's going to be, this is, we're going to, this is exactly what's going to happen, right? You're going to get, Fitzpatrick's going to start, obviously, because, you know, he's 
Fitzmagic. I can't see him. Now, when he in the, the Tampa Bay situation was really good. Other than the offensive line, that playmaker situation was great and right. great for Yolo. Ryan but he's Patrick. like he's used to various crappy situations, right? He's going to start. He's going to win the camp battle with Josh Rosen. If indeed there even is such a thing going on, he'll win it. He'll start the season. We'll get a typical Ryan Fitzpatrick opening of a season. We may get some spectacular games right off the bat it may take him a while to get going but there'll be a few in there then there will be a disaster and somewhere along the line let's say week six week seven we're going to say right that's enough of that in with josh rosen and he's going to get thrown out there behind the league's worst offensive line with no discernible playmakers to throw to and he's going to stink again and we're going to come out at the end of year two and we're going to say well josh rosen was a disaster what was that guy ever doing drafted in the first round behind basically a completely untenable situation in either of his first two teams? Not to mention the fact that that requires, you know, two different offenses in two years. Like the guy had he no had shot. He had different offensive coordinators at UCLA every year. Right. He has had no shot to be successful at the NFL level. All that Zero. said, all that said. We can also criticize his rookie season. Situation was terrible. He had the second worst grade. You know who he beat? You know, remember who had the worst grade in the NFL among QBs? Stafford. Ryan Tannehill. Damn it. Stafford had a terrible one as well. Tannehill right? had eight big-time throws, 19 turnover-worthy plays. But his stats weren't bad. He had five touchdowns on screens, yeah. and he had the Miami Miracle. His stats looked way better than he played. So Rosen had the second-worst PFF grade. And then, again, I was trying to figure out, okay, where can he improve? Coming out of UCLA, we said intermediate thrower. He could throw the seam, the dig. He makes all these NFL-type throws. He was dead last in intermediate accuracy last year and then i said all right well that offensive line was a disaster he was under pressure 40 percent of the time what about clean pocket intermediate throws that's his strength second from the bottom he was in as much as we've criticized lamar jackson and josh allen for their accuracy rosen's accuracy last year which was much it was much better in college than those two guys but last year it was at lamar and josh allen level it was really really poor so that uh, is not a good sign for rosen and my big question for him coming out of ucla while he could do nfl things never dominated like a first round pick Mm -hmm. even you know josh allen's best season in college was better than Rosen's best season. Rosen's body of work was better, but Josh Allen's peak season was better than anything we saw from Rosen as far as PFF grade goes in college. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that Rosen's best season was his freshman season, which wasn't spectacular. It was just really good for a freshman. Um, And then he just never got any better from that point. Everyone was assuming that if you're that good as a freshman, how good are you going to be when you get to the NFL? Very concerning. The answer was the same level. Very Um, concerning. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Again, I don't think they're flowing in playmakers Hang on, go, sorry back yes. to the offense for a second can we all, what the hell are they doing with Kenyon drake Kenyon drake has been the most talented running back on that roster for a couple of years now maybe it's drake and never gets given the starting gig maybe it's him what alabama didn't use what, him what? last coaching staff didn't use what's him. what's the problem put him out there he's a playmaker he's the best playmaker you have give him the ball you just want to be right about you saying i'm already he's right i just wanted to look good. derrick henry was Derek Henry had like one run against the Jags. Last a year. monster down the stretch. You I'm said that saying, he was going to have a better career than Derek Henry. I didn't say that. I said he was the better running back. Oh, okay. Um, Kenny Drake ha- is a phenomenal playmaker who, for some reason, multiple coaching staffs now are not giving the starting gig to. I kind of get that in theory, if you look at him, he's a little bit more of a. He doesn't have the heaviest frame in the world. You know, if you if you're into that kind of thing. 
you know, big bruising backs, you're going to go with a Frank Gore or a Kalen Balage. But this is the NFL in 2019. Oh, Drake you shouldn't be in Drake that. could be, you know, that perfect space type player, right? Right. Satellite player. All right. Uh, defensive side of the ball for Miami. Here's what will be very interesting. They weren't very good last year, but there are some decent players there. And then you've got the new scheme coming from Brian, Brian Flores. The, the Patriots play as much man coverage as any team in the league. We've seen Belichick disciples. You know, Matt Patricia went to Detroit. They played top three man coverage as far as a percentage goes in the NFL. If the Dolphins do that, we'll get to see a guy like Xavier Howard play pure man uh, the whole season. And, you know, as, as great as he was last year as far as picking passes off and stuff, he still gives up a lot. You know, so we've always said he's on his best day. He looks like Richard Sherman on his worst day. He looks like a bad Big 12 cornerback. I think we'll learn a little bit more about Xavier Howard. A lot of his spectacular plays came off coverage zone last year. Do the Dolphins try to make him into their Stephon Gilmore? You That's going to be really you know, taking fun those big receivers away because his interception total is going to go down to like three. He's going to end up playing better, and we're going to be in the other side of it again. Yeah, so instead of being be, Xavier Howard 70s. sucks now yeah. in this new system, we're going to be actually use better than he was a year. And ago that's because man coverage corners generally don't have as many interception opportunities. But like right. Stephon Gilmore, Gilmore broke up more passes than any corner in the NFL. That's what man coverage guys do. They force incompletions more than pick and passes. And the off. reason for that is because you're not looking at the ball. You know, when you're right. playing man coverage, you're have your eyes you have your eyes on the receiver. Typically, at some point in the play, you end up turning your back on the quarterback. You don't see the ball coming until the last possible moment, where you're focusing on essentially breaking it up rather than catching it yourself. Um, zone corners, their eyes in the, are on the quarterback. They get to see the thing coming the whole way, and a lot of the time, they're kind of breaking in front of the receiver as the ball arrives. It's just those guys are teed up to catch the interceptions. Man corners aren't. That's why Revis never had those monstrous interception totals right dolphins were 30th in coverage grade each of the last two seasons so the new scheme could help a little bit i think uh, all eyes are also going to be on minka fitzpatrick a guy that uh you know came out of alabama as a slot slash safety he did a lot of nice things last year except his tackling was just atrocious he was the guy that was fundamentally sound and tackled well in college and he missed over 10 tackles last year even though he covered fairly well so his year two development will be important and i think you know similar to past patriots teams that flores has had the linebacker position doesn't have the most most athleticism but new england has found a a way to get the most out of their linebackers so guys like raekwon mcmillan kiko alonzo jerome baker can they you know kind of hide that group a little bit in the scheme kiko alonzo in space right now is depressing since he got hurt it's been i mean he got it's been rough christian mccaffrey made him look horrendous out in space josh allen turned him but you know that clip that appears in every barry sanders highlight where he turns the patriots defensive back inside and out like three times yep like without touching him he makes the guy fall over <clears throat> and basically runs an ass shape around him and then you know scores a touchdown josh allen did that to kiko alonzo last year that shouldn't happen aside from anything else josh allen's quarterback not barry sanders and kiko well, alonzo 80 look, plus rushing grade look like that poor defensive back that's just how completely unable to move he is these days and then when you look at the pass rushers well pass rushers they don't have anybody mm-hmm. this is why i do think they might be embracing just full-on tank mode i mean we're talking about chris harris in uh, charles harris in year three 
can he develop? He hasn't gotten after the quarterback as you know, like people expected. Christian Wilkins was the first overall pick. Uh, he's a, he's just a good. He's like Ed Oliver light, I would say, except a little bit older as far as good run defender. You know, can he get after the quarterback consistently? It's a bit of a question mark. His only last year at Clemson, did he really show on a snap for a snap basis that he could do it? Um, but he is, you know, that classic fantastic fundamentally sound football player so i think he'll be a fine fit there i still probably would have liked more of like a more of a home run type of selection in the first round well yeah home run selections in the first round are typically preferred home run uh opportunity i don't know if wilkins has a chance to be a home run um so there's just a lot of question marks on that defensive line devon gotcha so Akeem Spence is there, Jonathan Ledbetter. Our last podcast, our last preview podcast, we were doing the NFC East, and we took a sledgehammer to the prospects of the New York Giants and basically gave them a pretty strong uh, pretty strong odds to get the number one overall pick. We said top ten. Yeah. I think well, the I mean, Dolphins have as good a shot as anybody. Right. The Dolph- So if the Giants are winning three games, which I think is what I ballparked them at, what are the Dolphins winning? I, I think they're, I don't know what the actual odds are, but I think they're very much in the running for the number one overall pick. Yeah. That's what their roster is. They're winning like. like a couple of games. I would, and again, I would not be surprised if a year from now, the storyline is, man, there's the second team moving on from Josh Rosen. The Dolphins are all in on Tua, or they're all saying. in on Justin yeah. Herbert. I could absolutely see that happening. Remember last year? We got to move on. Oh, yeah, we got to move on. Gotta, gotta. You remember last year when we were doing previews for the Thursday Night Football and we were basically predicting crazy stuff that seemed to happen every yeah. time we did it. Here's one for you. The Dolphins are going to end up going 2-14, and 14, and one of those wins is going to be against the Patriots. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Like week two in Miami. Right. New England always struggles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fitzpatrick connects on one of those You've crazy got a, yellow yeah, games. A former, you know, former Belichick assistant knows how to you know, slow him down. I could see that. So the Miami starts off 1-1. One and one, Yeah. And then loses <laughs> like 12, 13 straight because they're playing week two in Miami. Right. So, all right. Let's uh, throw that on the record. Yeah, yeah. Put a check mark in that. We'll come back. To All right. We got a hard out in 22 minutes. Okay, let's go. All Ooh. right. New York Jets. Um, They're not alphabetically first, are they? No, it's New England. Sorry. All right. Okay, guys, quick break to tell you about Game Pass because it is officially football season and it's the only way that you can get every out-of-market preseason game live. With preseason underway, your season can start now with NFL Game Pass. You get a first look at all the rookies, all the players on the new teams, It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. Personally, I'm most excited to see Kyler Murray this preseason. Can't wait to see how he fits in with the new Arizona Cardinals offense. With NFL Game Pass, I can watch Murray all preseason, see his development, and see what Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to do. If I miss his game, I can replay it after it's aired. Whoever you want to watch this preseason, you'll need NFL Game Pass to do so if you're out of market. So I'll be watching Kyler and Cliff. I'll be watching A.B. try to fit into that Raiders offense. I'll be watching Nikhil Harry trying to earn Tom Brady's trust as a rookie wide receiver in that Patriots system. So make sure you see all the action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus Fantasy. All right, New England Patriots. They are if you went by a mascot, though. So now they're in my head. Wait till we get to the NFC North where they're the same. You can't be wrong. The alphabetical city is the same, the same as the alphabetical mascot. All right, let's go to the New England Patriots. Okay. 
clearly the odds on favorites win the AFC East. It always comes down to, okay, does Tom Brady still have it? He got extended, so they must think yeah. he has more in the tank. Three-year extension. So he's signed through his year, uh, his 44-year-old season. Uh, he'll now be the sixth highest paid quarterback in the NFL this year. I don't know how much that matters. It, again, we look at that stuff a lot, but it, it's not like that just changed their roster construction. No. Um, I, th- I do think the most interesting storyline out of New England the last um, season or so, the last offseason, is just their affinity for big wide receivers and big targets. As much as we keep saying, look, separation is king and all that stuff, and if anybody showed that, it's the New England Patriots with shorter guys and shiftier guys, and all of a sudden it's Nikhil Harry and it's Dontrell Inman and Demarius Thomas and you know a couple tight ends that they brought in to try to replace Gronk. What are they trying to do offensively, and what do they do without that, you know, best of all time tight end playing for them yeah i mean i think Nikhil harry ends up replacing gronk not by being gronk but by essentially pivoting what gronk's role was into being a big slot so if you think of a marcus colston in new orleans years ago where he was a slot receiver but he was you know six three two hundred plus pound you know i just don't know if that's their game I, i don't know if that's something that brady wants that even that offense wants. Well, I don't know that either, but I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, so I think Nikhil Harry will end up being that. I think he's he's not the same as Marcus Colson. Marcus Colson had the big body, but he was a much more linear kind of player. He didn't have the sort of run after the catch, shifty. Yeah. You know, he didn't. He wasn't a bubble screen guy that was also able to run those uh, the posts from the the slot. Nikhil Harry has that combination of being a good jump ball guy but also being really dangerous with the ball in his hands. You can get right. him the, the ball with these uh, short wide receiver screens that everybody runs now and still have him dangerous. So I think they're going to end up with this sort of 11 personnel style offense in terms of Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, one other receiver, pick one. It doesn't really matter Philip at that Dorsett, point. Maurice Harris, Jacoby Myers right. all in the mix. You're going to have those guys on the field. You're going to have a running back out there. But what's interesting is whether they go kind of run heavy from that. Because right. I don't love those those receiving weapons. All the guys they've brought in to replace Gronk, I just don't love any of them. Edelman is obviously vital to how that offense functions almost regardless of what they do. But they have a lot of talent in the backfield and guys that can catch the ball as well. I think you might end up with this offense that looks like it's going to be pass-heavy and then isn't. They'll like yeah. run the ball out of these pass-heavy formations and take advantage of the fact that everybody's playing nickel defense where everybody weighs 250 pounds right yeah i mean it will be fascinating to see because they they ran a ton you know they ran the fullback out there a ton last i don't know that they're going to stop doing that with james devlin either so i think they do like to play right now with the tight end and a fullback at tight end they got benjamin watson who will be the starter when he's when he's back from his four game suspension so that'll tell us a lot i think those those first four weeks up front the offensive line is very much intact the big question mark will be isaiah win 2018 first rounder projected to play left tackle though there are rumors that maybe they're going to trade for a trent williams if trent williams does get traded for i think we're talking about the best offensive line in the league because the other four starters joe tooney david andrews shaq basin and marcus cannon um, especially that interior those guys are all top 10 caliber players at their position cannon has played top 10 right tackle before Mm -hmm. and trent williams again top three left tackle in the nfl so if that did happen you know maybe you do see a little bit more run heavy new england patriots i know that's the narrative that they ran their way to the super bowl down the stretch last year and there was like one or two games where they did 
really rely on the run game, but in the playoffs, Brady was still throwing the ball 40 times per game. So. I mean, ultimately, it's the Patriots, so what they do generally is not going to be what they do every single game anyway. Right. Like, this is a team that will be multiple anyway. And ultimately, that's what it is. You get a whole bunch of different skill sets, and then you just make it game plan oriented. I, I think the defense will be a huge story because, you know, they won. The, in, part of the reason why they won the Super Bowl is because they could cover so well in man coverage. They made life really difficult for opposing offenses, including Patrick Mahomes. You know, if you look at Mahomes' season last year, year all of his out of rhythm passes the percentages were through the roof his accuracy went down playing new england's tight man coverage in those two games even though kansas city scored a ton of points they were just making life difficult in a pass a pass happy nfl with stefan gilmore the best corner in the nfl jason mccordy played well we saw a really good play from jc jackson down the stretch they just have a lot of weapons in that secondary yeah they really do um what i we were talking about this the other day that what makes the Patriots fascinating is so everyone would like to be able to do everything on defense or on offense I think they would like the capacity but everybody thinks that you need players that can do everything in order to make that happen and there aren't that many of those guys around right Right. so everyone would love a linebacker that can play the run equally as well as cover on the back end you know a Luke Keekley, a Bobby Wagner but there's only two of those guys, maybe three, in the NFL, and everybody else thinks, well, that means we can't do this. Right. The Patriots say, well, I don't need one guy that can do everything. I just need, a, I just need somebody on the roster that can do everything. And that is what la- enables me to play everything that I want to. So the right. Patriots, more than anybody else, are perfectly prepared to change personnel entirely depending on the game plan. Right. Um, and that's what makes them such a fascinating team to to watch work because in order for this to happen you need to be on the same page as the guys giving you the personnel essentially and well and then they have linebackers i always like to say people people think you know a three four outside linebacker is a linebacker we always say no that's an edge rusher right and very few linebackers just all of a sudden line up and rush the passer like actually go beat offensive tackles one-on-one but dante hightower kyle van noy and jamie collins now who's returned are all guys who have played edge rusher either in college or at the NFL level, that brings some of the flexibility. So none of those guys, like they bring special versatility. Those guys aren't Bobby Wagner or Luke Keekley, right. but they allow the Patriots to morph into three, four fronts and even fronts and all these different things. Michael Bennett could play multiple gaps up front. Uh, so yeah, uh, just a lot of uh, players who could do multiple things pretty well uh, or just have that very specific skill set, like you're saying, like a Juwan Bentley who could be a hammer in the run game. It's right? just a fascinating downs. difference between, again, between Belichick and the way everyone else thinks. Everyone else is focused on what guys can't do and the problems that poses. Belichick right. is focused on what guys can do and the possibilities that opens up and, and just what you need to do in order to make sure that you're only using those guys with what they can do. And they'll literally game plan yes. differently every single week. Um, so I think the secondary is going to be a huge strength. You have Patrick Chung there, who, you know, he covers tight ends. Do they take second round corner, Jawan Williams, who's a, who's just a monster? Do they, you know, breed him in that next role, even though technically he's a corner. Devin McCourty's still smart back there. There's rumors about Deron Harmon, who's been a really solid, strong uh, free safety for them, potentially getting cut. Uh, Obi Melifonwu, another former top pick that they're bringing in, freak athlete with size. Just a a fascinating collection of players. I think the Patriots are going to release a lot of good players, is what we're saying. It's a deep roster. Despite, but I do think ultimately their success and Josh Gordon could eventually come back hmm. offensively. Their success, I think, still comes down to the pass game. And if Brady still has it, can he still play at a top five level? And do those playmakers emerge? Because right now we have him as a bottom five unit of playmakers. 
can Brady elevate them? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Not the run game, but that pass game again. I know we're not supposed to care about running backs anymore either, but I think Damian Harris could end up being their primary running back. Yeah, I know you like him. I, do. Um, I don't see a path for him over Sony Michelle, the runner, or James White, the pass catcher. He's so much better than Sony Michelle, though. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't see that path. So true. So New England, the favorite in the AFC East. I think we all agree on that. And you know, do you think they still have the firepower in that passing attack to keep up with Kansas City and the Chargers and the Steelers and these other teams that they'll be competing with in the AFC? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, is this the year Brady loses it? Is my question. Well, that's the. I mean, honestly, that's a bigger question. Is we keep talking about this wall. At some point, it is going to hit. It's just inevitable, right? Now, maybe when he's forty-seven years old, we've no idea because it hasn't hit yet. But at some point, it will, and it's probably going to hit fast when it does because it just tends to. It, so that's it's that's a, that's a permanent question hanging over the Patriots as long as Brady is their quarterback. Is, right. When does this happen? Just to be objective about his season last year. 2015, 16, and 17, probably the best three-year stretch of his career. And the best we've ever seen, I would say. Yeah, and the best we've ever seen. And last year, did he regress a little bit? Yes. Right. But he regressed probably into about 2014 range where he was still, again, a top Yeah, so because he's 40-something years old, you say, is that the start of the end? But nobody could sustain a three-year run or four-year run at that level it was inevitable he was coming down to earth at some point so he hasn't come down any further than you would expect any human being to come down to from that level right because it was so off the charts um but so that's a permanent question hanging over the patriots then the other question is what does this offense actually look like now they've got no gronk and they need to again reinvent themselves uh, evolve once more to, into something else that they haven't been in the past will be a great storyline that is fascinating and then the third question i think is i don't know that they need to keep up with those teams if they run this different style of offense and if they become more of a if they zig when everyone else zags again and become a sort of ball control offense from this 11 personnel group yeah the analytics guys wouldn't like that though well i don't i mean I, that's it's just it's a riskier part of me hopes it works just because of that yeah just to screw over our own guys right. our own numbers all right let's finish up with the new york jets um, again, I think the Jets are competing with the Bills for the second, you know, for second place in the AFC East. Um, I had some Jets fans, one guy in particular, just saying, hey, look, you said that the Bills improved more than the Jets this season. And I don't remember saying it, but I, I would say as far as putting stuff around Josh Allen, I'd say that the Bills did a little bit more than the Jets have done. But I would also say I have more faith in Sam Darnold's year two development than I do Josh Allen's. So if the Jets have a better season than the Bills, I think it has more to do with Darnold, you know, developing and getting back to what we, you know, a lot of the stuff that we saw at USC, the fact that he was our top graded quarterback over the last four weeks of the season was very encouraging. And, you know, I think that's more important than, say, adding Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I do like the moves that they made on the offensive line as far as Kalichi Osemele for, for almost nothing. Um, and since I made that apparent statement, they did add Ryan Khalil, you know, out of retirement at center, even though he hasn't been great these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still that's an upgrade over probably the, one of the worst center situations outside of the Bengals the last couple of years. Oh, the last few years, their center situation has been a disaster. Um, the question is, is it an upgrade over Jonathan Harrison, who was scheduled to start? And the answer is probably. But it, yeah. the upgrade that it will be is the way John Sullivan was an upgrade for the Rams, which is primarily upstairs. Yeah, in the communication. And, yeah, exactly. Like he wasn't actually a great player anymore, but he was smart. He knew what he was doing. He could organize the offensive line. He could make line calls, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's the important thing that right. Ryan Khalil we know will be good at. 
Um, whether he's actually capable of playing that well anymore is far more debatable. Now, as far as the rest of the Jets' offense, Robbie Anderson has showed he can make plays, you know, 10-plus yards down the field. Jamison Crowder, when healthy, he's bowed a lot of injuries. A pretty solid slot, but I still think we're looking at this group of playmakers and then question marks at tight end with, you know, Chris Herndon. He's out for four games, suspended. I know he's the starter, Sam. But this Jets group of playmakers, even with Le'Veon Bell in there, that's a bottom five group still. Whereas if you're comparing to the Bills, maybe the Bills moved up just a touch. I can't remember where we put them as far as receiver rankings go, but um, I still have a lot of question marks about this Jets group. Yeah, um, Le'Veon Bell should be interesting because he's the perfect po- he's like honestly he is the argument about running backs right now it's levy on right. bell because he does everything that you want a modern running back to be able to do and he does it all to an elite level um and he's potentially able to elevate an offensive line as well because of the, his running style he's a phenomenal receiver to the point where you can line him up as a wide out and have him run routes there and have him be effective like he is talent-wise a phenomenal back but every time we've seen him go missing for the Steelers they've been able to plug in somebody else and not drop off at all right so he's he's right now he is the embodiment of the argument about whether running backs matter or not so on paper it looks like a fantastic upgrade because he's arguably as good as anybody in the league he can do everything they want him to and yet it probably comes down to the fact that if that offensive line isn't dramatically better and the quarterback isn't dramatically better it, it doesn't matter and we mentioned this in the zeke argument too when you have that bell cow running back and you feel the need to justify it you know if Le'Veon bell catches 90 passes and it's a whole bunch of screens and check downs and stuff like that that's not necessarily valuable now if he is used a little bit the way he was in pittsburgh you split him out wide you run some receiver type routes with him mismatches on linebackers that is extremely valuable you know feeding him 100 targets just because you're paying him a lot of money isn't great um, but using him as a true mismatch component and then you do have a Chris Herndon who can stretch the seam and you have a Crowder who can run out of the you know routes out of the slot and Robbie Anderson you have these different skill sets that could all come together and make for a pretty good offense so so the components could be there but on paper you just don't have this track record of success with four or five playmakers like some other teams do um, Sam Darnold's development again I wrote the article on you know 2018 draft class what went right what needs to improve you know darnold last year as i said our number he went from the first nine weeks of the season he had the lowest grade in the nfl 50.9 gets banged up comes back the last four games of the season 87.7 that was number one during that time he cut down his turnover worthy plays from 18 over those first weeks nine weeks of the season down to only two over the last four weeks of the season now we don't want to get caught up in well four game sample and project it forward to the season I, think I can hear george from the other room screaming at in his in, into his hands at the the sample size issues i'm just trying to describe right i'm just trying to describe what happened the ironic thing about this is what we said out of usc there was a three-game stretch right where he was maybe the worst quarterback in all of college football mm-hmm. his last year at usc but in all other games he was number three so is this part of donald's dna of you know really volatile play or uh, is it just a, a coincidence that he just happens to have these you know good and bad stretches? I think that'll be a big story. The concerning part where he needs to improve something he was really good at USC was throwing the ball up to 20 yards short area accuracy intermediate accuracy and last year eighth highest percentage of uncatchable passes. 
in that range. Can I say how excited I am at the prospect of this defensive line? Yes, you can. Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, Henry Anderson, and Nathan Shepard is sitting on that depth chart as well. Yeah, I mean, this is another one of those teams that's creating a bit of an old school, you know, guys that can just stop the run. Um, Not saying that they can't get after the quarterback a little bit, too. I think Quinnen can do everything. I think Henry can do a little bit of that. But it's kind of like a Steelers-ish defensive line, isn't it? Where it's, you know, a bunch of big bodies, 3-4 defensive end type of bodies who can stop the run and and get after the quarterback a little bit. The the 15-year question in New York, though, or the question since um, John Abraham is who rushes off the edge. Yeah, still nobody. Ja'Kai Polite, maybe third round pick. Maybe they help. But right now we're talking about Brandon Copeland and Jordan Jenkins as you're starting uh, outside backers if we're talking a three, you know, edge rush situation here. Um, but my bigger question is the secondary. You've got um, Greg Williams coming in. Yeah. An aggressive man heavy type of scheme. And I don't trust those corners. Well, all of this, the funny thing is their their second string corners are better than the first string corners, which is always I don't know. Fun. So no, I don't know if those guys are better than Tremaine Johnson, mm. Perry Nickerson. You're talking Perry Nickerson, Daryl Roberts, Roberts, and Perry Nickerson are they're not better than top Tre- two quarters. They're not better than Tremaine Johnson, but Tremaine Johnson's not worth what they're paying him. Well, that's true. He's not. So that's the bigger issue. Tremaine Johnson in a vacuum, I think, is their best corner, but he's not. What is he? You know, up to fifteen million or whatever it is. He's not worth all that money. Brian Poole, pretty good, you know, okay slot player. There's just so many question marks at such a crucial position. So, again, best case scenario for the Jets. Offensively, you see Darnold's development. But defensively, Tremaine lives up to his hype and his money. A Perry Nickerson or a Darrell Roberts, you know, plays out of their mind. Jamal Adams continues his high-end play. He was spectacular last year. Uh, C.J. Mosley one of their big signings in the middle, more of a run stopper. You know, he's a good, not great linebacker, again, for a lot of money. So they've made some upgrades defensively, just, you know, kind of like the Giants, right? Like not necessarily at the most valuable positions. Yeah, and this, the Greg Williams system is kind of fascinating because it it's very clearly defined what's going to happen. You're going to have one of those safeties, presumably Marcus May, lined up 127 yards away from the line of scrimmage. Yes, really, really uh, far back. He's going to stop the deep ball and in so doing he's going to open up all of the 15 yard digs yeah because that's what happens and the short pass game in general the type of stuff that the nfl's feeding off of right now you're the team that you're trying to overtake the new england patriots feeds off the short pass and short intermediate pass game so it kind of neutralizes that guy so marcus may is going to be anonymous this year just by being that deep safety jamal adams is going to have to function completely in the box because that's what happens now his big um, selling point over the past couple of years was this incredible versatility and lining up all over the field and you know doing everything that's probably going to become a lot more one-dimensional now and i'm sure he'll still be good at it but it's probably not maximizing his talent right and then you're putting those corners on an island and saying hold up in man coverage and don't worry there's a safety 40 yards downfield to pick up the pieces if you make a mess of it does greg williams adjust a little bit no doesn't seem like a guy that adjusts a whole lot no you put your balls in the C gap and you play football, Steve. Testicles in the C gap. That yeah. was the testicles that's the in the C gap. The guy that's putting his testicles in the C gap, probably Jordan Jenkins, is going to do a lot of that. <laughs> CJ Copeland's going to be. CJ Mosley's definitely throwing his testicles into the C He's gap. He's more of a B gap against the run guy. Uh, maybe. He's a B gap player, yeah. A and B gap. 
So, Jets, again, I think they're competing with the Bills for second place. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, that, the big question marks are what does the defense look like? He, he's an aggressive defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, so he'll tend... So good things can happen. A lot of good things do happen. It's just a case of what's the, what is the end result end up with in terms of balance, right? Are the good things enough to offset the bad things that come along with them? Right. Uh, and where does that elevate or move this unit to? And then the offense, it's all about Darnold, right? Yeah. And I could easily see Darnold. We had him as our number two quarterback behind Baker. I could easily see that step happening this season. So there you have it. It's your AFC East preview. We're going division by division. Of course, let us know in the comments. Who do you want us to hit next? We're going to be back Thursday, right? Yeah. Either here or the boss's office discussing the next division. Of course, get to PFF.com. It is PFF Elite season, Sam. It's yes. time to go get your elite. Just dominate fantasy football. Premium stats, all the stats from the Hall of Fame game and all the preseason games are coming in. Right. And they're not listed. The players aren't listed as no because we know who they we are. We have real players. Right. We have grades on every single snap in the preseason. In the preseason, it's all part of your PFF Elite Package. And a reminder, go to the YouTube channel if you're not there already. Hit subscribe and you can win a free PFF Elite or uh, Edge. You a year's sure? worth of access for free Why are you just this away? by clicking the subscribe button. Elite is a $200 value. You're it just going to give it away. I am. All right, Not just it. this time, but I'm going to do it every week. Every week. Every week. You just feel like we're going to lose money in this deal. All right, guys. You heard him. Subscribe to YouTube. Get yourself a free Edge or Elite. Maybe. We'll see you guys on Thursday. We got a meeting. We got to go. Hard out. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.